Oh, I just realized, you know, I just realized they can't even hear you, but they can hear me. Uh, guys, <laughs> guess what? Guess what Amy is saying? Wait, wait, let me actually say something. I Olive love you. Juice. Olive, Olive juice. juice. Oh, I thought you said, uh, how about this one? Well, you glitched in the middle of it. Say it again. I don't want to. No, Brie. <laughs> I want a vacuum. I want a vacuum. <laughs> Jeez, you dirty minds. Uh, anyway, uh, we haven't gone live in a while. We just, I just wanted to say, or oh, live on the podcast. Um, I know you guys can't hear Amy's side, but um, hello, friends. She, she says hello, friends. Neighbors. And it's because she's mute. I'm sorry. Uh, hi, how are you? How's it going? Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. But you know, not Merry Christmas yet. Sorry. Calm down. You didn't even give me a chance to tell you how I'm doing. She's good, everybody. Just so you know, she's great. Anyway, she's fine. Um, I have a question for you. Okay. So, what is something that made you the happiest this week? Oh, oh, wow, that's a great response. Sorry. Um, I forgot to really think about this question. Specifically this week. All right. I'm going to need you not to make fun of me for this one because I do have a good answer. Okay. I was so happy I was crying and tearing up. I don't <gasps> oh, know why. I, I don't love know. those. No, it was, I have no idea what was wrong with me. It was yesterday oh. and we were watching. We it was were after a, our conversation. No, we were watching a movie. It was because of the movie. We were watching the movie Noel. Yes. With Anna Kendrick and... I don't know why, but that movie hit me hard. Like all the sweet things like that. She understood like people who were speaking in different languages and like all the people that were just like not wanting materialistic things, but they were wanting like a job for their parents or like a roof over their heads and just like, and then like there was the part in it where the little girl was deaf and she only knew sign language and she like knew how to understand. It was really sweet. That's such a sweet movie, but I, I don't know if that movie made me tear up and it made me happy. Um, <laughs> I know that's not like okay. a answer. That's no, a great. That's a, that is an answer. <laughs> that's a what good about... answer. Also, also seeing the girls um, get excited over uh, our elf hangry came back and they were pretty uh... excited about that too. Although that's he, so exciting. He was so comfortable, y'all. He was so comfortable in his spot that he came to on the first day that he didn't leave his spot. <laughs> he was so comfortable in his spot that he didn't leave his spot this morning and the girls were a little disappointed by at it. Well, you know what? That's okay. <laughs> but but while we're at gymnastics, he moved his spots. He oh. went to another spot and he left a note and he said that he was sorry that he didn't move spots. And it was because that he was at the North Pole late drinking too much hot cocoa. That will do it. <laughs> it will. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Um. Oh, I need to turn my phone off. Uh, so I really don't, I didn't really think about this, but like, um, Tuesday, Rick and I went to couples counseling for the first time and coming out of it, like your emotions are so raw and everything like that. But like, I 
was I was really happy that we're starting like the process like everyone I think like we talk about this all the time how you know going to therapy is really important but like I think couple counseling is also very important yeah I mean we're 12 years in we're pretty solid but um you know just getting those like frustrations out everyone and has like, their issues yeah everyone has their issues like we're fine but uh I think we needed someone to give us some tools on how to communicate and like no so like you know just a few things that we keep running into so I think that made me really happy and this is gonna sound so dumb my so every year for Christmas since like I don't know year five going into like year five of our anniversaries like being married for five years I just started buying my own Christmas presents because I knew that I would be happy with what I got. <laughs> and also, like, Rick was working so much. He never really had time to go to the store to get me anything. And so this year, he, I was on the phone with him, and he was like, I need to figure out what to get so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And he's like, and I don't even know what to get you. And I was like, Whoa. Like, that was kind of a big deal, Be like, he because he hasn't gotten me anything in years. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool, and I felt really special. But then Aww. I was also worried, like, please don't get me something that I'm not. <laughs> no no cowgirl boots. <laughs> the last time he got me something was a box, a, like a, a big uh, container box of uh yarn <laughs> and and s yarn needles to knit because okay have i never told you this I maybe think, i have i, feel I like don't know. i remember hearing it yeah so w one year i was knitting all of my daycare parent daycare kids scarves for christmas uh-huh and he thought that was my new hobby <laughs> And so he like individually wrapped all these different yarns, balls of yarn, and gave them to me. And like the tub was part of the gift Aww. too. It was so sweet, but I was like, oh, this is not a hobby I want. I wasn't good at it. You could, but it was so sweet. You could have knitted kitty sweaters. <laughs> um, that is hilarious. I, I, yeah, I do remember now that you told me that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of, I mean, that was today, and that made me really happy. I was like, wow, like he really like um, he's thinking of you like that. He's thinking yeah. of me. Yeah. yeah. So, and normally I just get it for myself because I don't want to be disappointed. So. Um, I'm not bashing on my husband, everyone, but no. uh, he's a, he's a good, he's a good soul. So yeah, he's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, am Who's I going, going first, first this week? week? I am. Cause you went first last week. Who? Okie dokie. Okay. Wait, you were the second one. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, then that's perfect. Cause then you can finish off your story and then they can like catch right up. Yeah. Previously on anyway. What's with the novels? We do every every freaking week. It's like every other week, and I make it. I'm, and why do we do it? I hate it. I hate it. Do what? 
we go like previously on what's with the neighbors or and we're live oh <laughs> why do we it's i don't know it's a it's just dumb anyway uh my neighborhood story this one starts out this is from a i think this is on facebook or something it says at bird park a bunch a bunch of kids no older than eight or nine I'd say strapped fireworks to each other's pelvic areas and were jumping <gasps> over a campfire to see whose would light first. This is not a crime, however, I do find it unsafe and disturbing. Uh, actually, normally it how is they, illegal. How did <laughs> to they get have me as kids see? How did they see us? <laughs> those kids were raised like those are jackass kids. But 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 but. Normally, it is illegal to have a fire in a park. So, Ooh. unless it's like in a campfire and it's like per per it is allowed. But also, I have a question: What is a bird park? Is it like a dog park, and you're taking your bird like on a harness and a leash, <laughs> fly, but only for so far? That's what I was. But like, we have like that bird thing here, that sanctuary park here don't we isn't it yeah, like but birds? yes like but it's not called a bird park no. it's called the bird park everybody <laughs> let's go take our kids let's go take our birdies to this cage <laughs> let's take our pheasants to our finches to the you. bird park okay so you guys, this is my last episode for the three-parter. Amy's like, damn uh, it, now I have to do work. <laughs> that's literally, I was thinking about that when I was setting up. I was like, oh my God, I'm actually going to have to do a story next week. <laughs> Although we may um, take a break at some point during the holiday yeah. season. Yeah, we should. Okay, so this is the last of my three-parter of the McDonald's strip search calls scams. Um, so if you haven't heard any of them, you should probably go back the last two episodes, 109 and 110, and listen to them because you'll, you'll have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, it's very to good recap, story. Yeah, um, I do have to make a couple corrections in my correction corner I'm going to do in just a second, but um, a little, uh, a teenager was forced, we're kind of following like the main, one of the main stories that came out about it, um, but we're following a young girl that was forced to strip search at a McDonald's by her managers and she was sexually assaulted by her manager's fiance. Uh, she and then they found out that this has been going on for like 12 years or something like that by um, throughout the United States. Um, so uh, the investigators uh, were like narrowing in on this, um, this guy out of Panama City and uh, they found him. And he was, uh, was he a ranger? I can't remember. No. Uh, but uh, she was uh, going after McDonald's, like the big thing, like the big corporation. And Donna yeah, was. Yeah, because they didn't alert their employees that this was happening. Correct. And Donna was, uh, her manager was arraigned and she was given one year 
uh, and Jill. And the other lady wasn't. Yeah. uh, Oh, shoot. What was her name? Uh, The other manager was not arraigned. Uh, And, oh, Donna was given one year, uh, one year probation. Um, And the guy that sexually assaulted her uh, was um, given like one year probation that made uh, the girl upset because like he was originally going to get like five years or something for sexually assaulting her. And um, the judge like knocked it down and stuff like that. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Can you give me just a second? Cause I need to get my correction. Yeah. So, so I do want to make two corrections and, um, this is why, because the, I listened to two podcasts and I did, I, I, I will say I was a little bit lazy about my research on this, the particular girl, um, her name is not, I said her name was did you watch the documentary not yet okay i said her name was laura fletcher um and i don't know why i didn't question myself when i listened to the episode two episodes of this one podcast and they used her name as laura fletcher and then like when i was doing my research i was thinking that this person was this name that kept popping up was a different story um and so I walked, watched this documentary and everything that was being said in the documentary was not Laura Fletcher, but the story was lining up with the story that I've been telling of Laura Fletcher. So I realized that the I missed it in the beginning. The podcast that I was going off of uh, said, because I went back and listened to the beginning of it, they said that they changed her name to keep her privacy. Oh, okay, okay. So I, her, her actual name is, oh shoot, I just lost it. Because it's on Netflix. It is on Netflix and they use her actual name. So I'm like, is this the same person, but with a completely different, right? same person, or is it like a different person with the same exact story? And I was like, no, there's no way. So I did some more research and realized her name is Louise Ogborn. Okay. Um, and uh, Mount, what did I say? Mount Washington. And mm-hmm. we're like, is that in Washington? I was like, oh, uh-uh. no, it's not. Um, it's in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I believe. Was it Kentucky? No. Yeah. It it's in, no, Kansas. Kansas. Okay. I was about to say, it's the other K state. Because I remember I looked it up and I didn't want to say anything until we were done and I forgot to tell you. You should have said something. <laughs> I forgot. Well, so because the uh i can't oh no you're fine you should have anyways so those are my two corrections in the story i'm gonna keep saying uh laura because that's what i have down and i don't want to confuse anybody that's been following along is that okay yep absolutely that makes sense do you think that's fair okay yeah okay so but her actual name i wanted to give credit to her I wanted to give credit to her. It is Louise Ogborn. Og, 
Ogborn. Um, and I am so sorry for not catching that earlier and not realizing that it was two different people. Anyways, but I did watch the documentary and it was really good. So, um, and I feel like there was some other things that I got wrong in there, but I can't remember what they were, but they weren't big deals. Like it, the name was a big deal, but everything else is kind of, I mean, it's, it's all hearsay, you know, how those type yeah. of things go. Yeah. So, so that, so Stewart's trial, this is the, the, the guy that, um, sexually assaulted her. Oh no, gosh. that was Walter. No, that was Walter. Uh, this is the guy that they caught. Okay, okay. The guy that was doing the calls. Stewart's trial started on October 24, 2006 at the Bullock County Circuit, Circuit Court. Um, it had been two and a half years since Laura Fletcher's assault. Jeez. The delaying court, the delaying courts proceeded, proceeded and, or is it Walter Stewart? Oh, no, 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 no. Stewart is the guy with the call. Sorry. Okay. I, You're good. <laughs> Now you're questioning yourself. <laughs> I know. So Stewart's trial started on October 24, 2006 at the Bullock County Circuit Court. It had been two and a half years since Laura Fletcher's assault. The delaying of the court's proceedings was to allow for the charges against Walter and Donna to be addressed first so that they could appear as witnesses against Stewart. In their opening address, the prosecution warned the jury that they would be hearing testimonies, um, would would would, he, would be hearing super bizarre testimonies that would may be difficult to believe. Yet the court was assured that the phone records and the surveillance videos would prove that the defendant was guilty. So Stewart's attorney insisted that the allegations were false and that there was no evidence to support them. He claimed that the police had only charged his client because they were just desperate to make an arrest. Okay. Um, Walter Nix took the stand and told the court that within minutes of speaking to the individual calling himself the officer Scott, he felt as though the man had control of his mind. Um, Walter, Walter okay, described buddy. himself. Yeah. Right. Walter described himself as easygoing, um, amenable to following authority figures. He discussed the fact, the tasks that officer Scott wanted Laura to perform and explained how he had conveyed them on the officer's behalf. So he felt like he was actually doing these things for the officer because the oh officer could not do it. But still, um, anyway, I know. I know. Under cross-examination by Stewart's attorney, Walter was asked whether he had eventually realized that the things he was doing had nothing to do with the police investigation. And Walter had simply done an, an, as instructed and described the caller as a smooth talker. Donna also testified. She claimed that she had spoken to three separate people on the phone with the main individual being Officer Scott. In the background, she heard the steady sounds of police radios. Donna said that the officer said that Officer Scott had known the names of several of her employees as well as the name of a customer in the restaurant. He claimed that he had the store's manager, Lisa Siddons, on the other line. Donna even thought she heard Lisa's voice in the background during the call. Now, mind you, he's making these phone calls from a payphone. Yeah, in a exactly. Walmart. 
Exactly. So maybe the she was saying like that she was hearing the the r- radio chat, but maybe it was actually like the Walmart intercom. Why not file seven? <laughs> I don't I don't understand. And then she didn't actually talk to three different people. So I don't understand what she's meaning by that. Because okay. it's not like that guy is going to ask someone that's a bystander, be like, hey, can you talk to this person real quick and say that you're yeah. Lisa Siddons? No. So under cross-examination, Donna was asked whether she thought that the call would have had been mi- made from an outdoor payphone as the prosecution was alleging. She said that it was not possible that that phone call was made from a payphone. So I really think that Donna and Walter doubled down on their thought their story that this guy was on their story. It, which is really sad because this is just helping the yeah. defendant. Yeah, exactly. You're lying. You're yeah. letting a bad guy get away with things that he shouldn't have gotten away with. Exactly. But like, so, question, could he have been on like, can you do three-way calls with a payphone? Like, what if he was on a three-way call and had just like background noise? I don't know. That's a good question. What if he had someone helping I d- him? I'm going to say I doubt it only because during that time, like three-way calls, like I, I'm thinking about like my parents' phone when I was that age, you know, around 14. And I wish that I had a three-way phone call of like ability. You can make three-way phone calls then. You, we yeah, used but to you, make three-way not phone all- calls all the time. As but kids. not all phones had it. Right. The capabilities of it, maybe, yeah. Yeah. It's possible, yeah. So I'm going to assume that this, you know, the cities aren't paying for pay phones to have three-way capabilities. Yeah, that's like two calls in one, and, like, you have to pay for one call in a pay phone. So maybe, yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, it's possible, but I don't know. So... Mount Washington investigator Detective Buddy Stump was asked how the scammer could have known employee known employee and customer names. He replied to that he didn't know as investigators were never able to verify those allegations. Um, Laura Fletcher, who was now 20 years old, testified on the second day of the trial. Donna had claimed that she gave Laura the choice to be searched at the restaurant or had been or to be taken into custody, and Laura had opted to stay at McDonald's. Laura refuted this, saying that she had begged to be taken to the police station in the hopes that the matter could be sorted out there. So Donna's like, oh, well, I gave her the option, and she said she wanted to stay at McDonald's. And She's Laura's also like, a kid. I begged her. Yeah. Yeah. She was also a kid. Didn't know what was best. Mm-mm. So when prosecutor asked why she never tried to leave the office, Laura explained that she felt she couldn't as she was naked and feared Walter might hurt her. She also depended on the job to support her family and was terrified of losing it as her father was an Air Force veteran and she had been raised to respect and obey her elders and authority figures. 
Laura said that she pleaded for Donna to help her on multiple multiple occasions, but was ignored. While relaying the details of her ordeal to the court, Laura noted that there were gaps in her memory as she had blanked out some aspects of the assault, which is totally yeah. normal. Yeah. At like least a, she's up there. It's like a protective mechanism or something that happens in our brain. It, your brain is protecting you. Yeah. yeah. So detective vector fight or flight. I don't know. I don't know. So detective Victor Flotley told. Yes. Uh, Detective Victor Flotley told the court that Stewart had made the cryptic remark stating a man it's over during their initial conversation. Stewart's attorney insisted that the comment made at the end of the interrogation, and it was an expression of relief that the interrogation was over. But the thing is, is that I don't think it was done at the begin, the end, like the, I mean, maybe it was, I wasn't there, but I don't think so. Mm-mm. So, because he also said, was anybody hurt? And yeah. the officer said, no, but there's going to be mental trauma. And he said, thank God it's over. Yeah. So why would you say that after that? Anyways. Exactly. So. The defense attempted to cast doubt by pointing out that no one had seen Stewart at the payphone where the three-hour call to Mount, the Mount Washington McDonald's was made from. But there was surveillance. There was video camera, CCTV. So it doesn't matter if no one was saw him. It was a camera had him on video doing it. Wait, so they did have actual, like, footage of him there? Yeah. Oh, that's stupid. That's that's evidence. And right then they there. also had and then they also had the footage of him buying the calling card at the other Walmart. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. That's so stupid. I don't know. They also pointed out that although a prepaid calling card linked to several scam calls was found in Stewart's home in Panama City, it was not the one used to contact Mount Washington's McDonald's. So Thomas Sims, a maintenance worker who had put a stop to Laura's ordeal, testified that Laura had stated she was going to get a big check as a result of what she had been through. Thomas admitted that he never told the police about this remark and only repeated it to McDonald's corporate officials who had interviewed him later. Of course. So. I don't. I don't know. I think. My, what are they trying to make? This her is look my like opinion. She just wants money for it. Yeah. So chances are, she was having a conversation with him. This was months after the the whole thing, and she was like, "Yeah, like I'm gonna sue them, and I'm gonna get a big check for it." Yeah, I would too. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong I'd be with like, saying I'm that. Get something positive mm-hmm. out of this terrible situation. Like, yes, like you have footage. They have footage of her getting sexually assaulted in there. So, yeah, of course she's traumatized. Of course she went through terrible things. You can see it right there. So, yeah, mm-hmm. she might want to cut of something. Yeah, leave her be. But her of course they're therapy. making it. They're they're making it sound like like she's she just was in just it for the money. Hmm. So. Uh, Stewart's legal team used this testimony to theorize that Laura had orchestrated the attack as in a scam to obtain a large sum of money. So, so all I the rest know. of the attacks as well were also her thing. It was all Laura. 
Oh yeah, my right? Gosh. So Laura's attorney told the media that the accusations that her client was involved in her own assault was ridiculous and a desperate su- suggestion. It was in a, his closing argument, Stewart's lawyer told the jury that his client was nothing more than a fall guy for the police stating they came to an exclusion. Then they went about looking for the facts to support it. Um. Okay. So on Tuesday, October 31st, the jury of six men and six women retired to consider their verdict. They returned to the court less than two hours later. And so David Stewart closed his eyes, bowed his head as a not guilty verdict was read aloud. Oh, my gosh. The jury had acquitted him of all the charges. (gasps) When he was permitted to leave the courtroom, Stewart left in silence with his family. He refused to speak with the the press. Stewart's attorney celebrated the acquittal and told journalists it was the result of what evidence the prosecution had. But prosecutor Mark Mann said he was certain police had found the right person. He pointed out that there had been no further strip search scams since Stewart was arrested two and a half years earlier. Law enforcement agencies in their jurisdictions across the county country had been waiting to see how the trial against Stuart panned out for many of the scam calls that occurred prior to Laura Fletcher's assault. The only crime Stuart could have been charged with was a misdemeanor. So they're waiting to see if the hammer would come down on him, whether or not to charge, you know, attempt to charge him with the other calls. Right. So they're like, it's not worth it because, I mean, this was a felony and he didn't even get charged. So what's the point of trying with these mistos? Yeah. So extradition from another state would not have been permitted under those circumstances with the misdemeanors as well. So you can only be uh, extradited with a felony. So they're like, it's not worth it. That sucks. So after the jury, I know, after the jury in Bullock County, Kentucky, it was Kentucky where they were. Oh, you were right the first time. It's on Kansas. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kentucky found Stewart not guilty. There was no further charges with him for any other cases throughout the United States, which there was more than 70, Brie. Laura Fletcher was seeking more than 200 million in damages from McDonald's. She was suing the 9 billion. She was suing the 9 billion corporation for assault, battery, sexual assault, sexual harassment, and failure to train. Her attorneys allege that McDonald's failed to protect Laura by neglecting to warn staff about the ongoing hoaxes. The company had been aware of the issue for at least two years prior to her ordeal. There had been about 30 other scam calls to McDonald's restaurants throughout the country that involved girls and young women being assaulted and forced to strip in front of others. Um, The corporation had been taken to court in four different states. Settlements had been made in all of these cases, but Laura was the first one to take it to trial. Good for you, Laura. Um, Mm-hmm. In addition to suing McDonald's, Laura sued assistant managers Donna and Kim Dockery, as well as David Stewart. Stewart responded with a letter that wrote, in part, I realized you noticed your notice, but I mean in no way res- 
but I mean, in no way I'm responsible. I feel bad for your loss because I am a victim as well. I lost my job, my home, and my car all over something I did not do. Well, he still as well. Oh my gosh. He asked people to do naughty things to her. I mean, like, I guess there are worse criminals that we've talked about that I'm glad that they're behind bars. And yeah, but at the same time, like the mental damage that he has done to people. Yeah. Like, yeah, you have to live with yourself now. And now you get to watch a Netflix documentary about how crappy you are. Do you think he watched it? I hope so. I don't. Oh, man. What a piece of garbage. I wish that it showed that he lost his wife, too. I would I would have divorced the crap out of him. The second I found out about the Wait, charges Stuart? against him, I'd be like, yeah, Stuart. Yeah, he had a wife and two kids or has. How did I miss that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I would have absolutely divorced that mother. Yeah. So, oh, my gosh. So, Louisville newspaper, the core... Courier Journal revealed that Florida property records indicated that Stewart had not lost his trailer where he resided, but he had deeded it to his wife for $100. So he said he lost his family or his job, his car, and his home. He did not. He did not lose it. He gave it to his wife for $100 so he wouldn't lose it if anything came to him. Oh, my gosh. Donna filed a cross complaint against McDonald's for $50 million. She claimed that they had failed to warn store managers about the hoax. Uh, her case would be presented alongside Laura's. In response, McDonald's asserted that Laura was the victim of a malicious hoax by individuals not representing McDonald's. They blamed Donna and Walter for the incident, um, as well as Laura herself. McDonald's insisted she was a minor. that all. I know. McDonald's right? insisted she was a that minor, all. Right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. She was sixteen. McDonald's insisted that all three should have realized the call was a scam. She was a child. A child. A literal child. And yes. you were blaming her. Like McDonald's. Like, oh, I don't know if 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 I'm being raped or not. Like. Like, you, you think that she should know? Oh, I don't know. This cop is telling me that I need to... That's a child. She shouldn't have to know that. That's what adults are for. Yes. So that they can protect the children. That is what the manager is for to protect her employees. And that's what McDonald's is for to overhear and have an umbrella over all of their... All of their... their places yeah employees and managers it's on mcdonald's not the child not the victim oh i'm so mad yeah that donna and walter should have gotten in a lot more trouble they should have not just probation i I honestly feel like she wanted to get money out of it how dare you you are yeah you are scum like that's disgusting yeah um i uh, what was I going to say? I think that the judge for Walter and Donna, I think that because they didn't have any priors, like, I get it. But also, like, he assaulted, he raped this girl, right? Mm, a child. And so why should he have to only, 
He still did the thing. He still did the thing. Uh, is what sexual, is the, the is... murder? Sorry, continue. Murderers, they like what? What? What is his Ted Bundy? He didn't have any priors. Yeah, exactly. And he still killed. You start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> like if he did it to her, he's gonna do it to someone else. Now you guys just right. let a a guilty man walk free. Well, you let yes. three guilty well, people walk. Mm-hmm. What was and your question? So she was a minor and he was an adult and they saw him touching her. So how did he not get like as a sex? Is he a sex offender? He's not a registered sex offender. We covered this last week. Did we? I sure hope. Yeah, but I'm not remembering. Eventually, his lawyers negotiated another plea deal in February. Walter pleaded guilty to charges of sexual assault, sexual misconduct, and unlawful imprisonment in exchange for five years in prison. The new agreement required for him to serve time, register as a sex offender, and to testify okay. as a witness at the pending. Um, so he was. Why okay. did we think that he only got – because he originally was only going to get probation, and then they were like, no, nah, you're doing five years. That's why. But he didn't end up getting those um, five years, right? Or was that Stuart? He did. That was Stuart that didn't That's get Stuart. anything. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I'm like, it's um, because we've been doing it over three weeks you're and we okay. have to like recap. I know. Dang. Um, so, I mean, I'm glad that he got five years. Sorry, everyone. We were getting mad over nothing. Um. So... Let's so they McDonald's insisted that all three should have realized that this was a crime, right? So, uh, or a scam. They also stated that strip searches had been against the company policy since 2001, and Donna should have known that this, this as it was mentioned in the store manual. Bro, no one reads the store manual, first off. Yeah, but yeah, I, know. I get that. Secondly, why do we have to put that in a policy? Yeah. <laughs> why Why can't that just be like so, mental, like. That should be common knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. After a lengthy discovery period in which 57 depo, de, depositions were obtained for, from more than, more than. Multiple witnesses, the trial commenced in the Bullock County Circuit Court on September 10th, 2007. McDonald's had with, withheld 16 boxes of evidence regarding prior hoaxes from the plaintiffs on the, on the grounds that handed them over would violate attorney-client privilege. So they're like, we have these 16 boxes, but you don't get it. Until it's time. A judge forced them, though, to surrender the material the evening before the trial began, which is so crappy. Yeah. Um, the case had received national attention, and consequently, it was difficult to find jurors who were unfamiliar with it. Out of 110 potential jurors, eventually the pool was narrowed down to 15, including three alternates. The first witness, the first witness for the plaintiffs, Donald, U.S. Secretary... U.S. security manager who testified via video link about the other scam calls the company received between 1994 and, two 1994 and 2004. 
He said that the company realized that there was a problem in 2001 after franchises began reporting the incident. A top attorney for McDonald's conceded that the warning about the calls was inadequate. Managers weren't told about the scam calls because the corporation didn't want to discourage them from cooperating with genuine law enforcement <gasps> officers. But that there's, of course, well, they're still going to cooperate with normal law officers. Like, they don't have to, like, do anything over the phone. The officers can come to the restaurant. Like, yep. they just know, like, what signals and what warnings to be known of. Like, where's a red flag? Like, hey, if the officer says, like, you know, they can't come to the restaurant and you have to do all these things yourself, then it's probably fake. Like, yeah. give them some, like, yeah. red flags to look out for. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, so yeah, yeah, shitty. Yeah, yeah. So, um, expert witness Barry Collins, who is a social psychologist from the University of California, told the court that one of the calls were likely made by a single perpetrator as they all shared an identical method and signature. He said that the perpetrator was someone who enjoyed being in control and clothes and derived, derived some sexual pleasure from his exploits. Professor Collins explained that the managers who fell for the scam were won over gradually. The caller would compliment and encourage the managers and assure them that they were doing the right thing. His trivial request slowly escalated to more outrageous demands. Colin testified that if McDonald's had been serious about putting a stop to the incidents, they could have done so as they had intense training programs set up on a range for other matters. So Alicia Trist, who had examined Laura, testified that she would suffer post-traumatic stress disorder for the rest of her life. She also said that Laura was also fearful of strangers and struggled with in intimacy. On Thursday, September 20th, Laura Fletcher began what would end up being a six-hour testimony. She broke down in tears as she discussed the assault and it, its long-standing impact on her, including her struggle to conceal her pain, shame, humiliation from friends and family. When asked where she thought, who, when asked where she thought responsibility for the incident lay, she replied, "McDonald's." When it was time for Donna to take the stand, she wept and admitted that she had considered taking her own life due to ongoing mm -hmm. feelings of guilt. Donna said she prayed for Laura daily, but acknowledged that uh, she hadn't asked enough questions when the scammer called. She insisted that McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. She insisted that McDonald's had never trained her on a matter or on the matter or made it clear that the strip search searches were a violation of company policy. When do you think that they, cause the policy went into effect in 2001 and this call started in 1994. Do you think that they put that in the policy as a, probably. like, cause they knew of the calls. Let's cover our asses. Yes, probably. Yeah. But then also, like, didn't say, like, hey, this is a policy Let's now. not brief everybody on this new policy. Yeah. When asked when she left her fiancé alone with a naked teenager, Donna said that she believed that Walter was kind and gentle. And she said she would have trusted him with her own daughter. In their opening statement, McDonald's blamed Donna, right? 
McDonald's blamed Donna for the assault by saying that if she hadn't violated company policy by bringing Walter into the manager's office, then this would have never happened. That's true. Those floors are greasy. (laughs) The company denied the assertion that they had not sufficiently warned staff about the scams. Um, A few days before Laura's assault on April 9th, 2004, a voice message about the calls were sent to McDonald's managers all over the country. One of the company's uh, human resources executives executives testified that Donna's exercised poor judgment over a long period of time and noted that she didn't have authority to remove Laura's clothes or invite a non-employee to the back of the restaurant. No crap. Yeah. Um, Associates, (laughs) associates list uh, and psychologists were, who were paid as an expert witness by McDonald's contradicted the plaintiff's psychiatrist by saying that Laura's trauma was not permanent what <clears throat> how who are you to say that yeah one even suggested that she had grown stronger as the result of her assault it's gonna happen to you now you're stronger yeah it's fine you're good you're great you can get raped anytime you now and you're gonna be fine you're gonna be fine next time it happens to you you're just gonna be like oh that happened okay that was nothing it's like a shot The defense also argued that Laura now had a happy life with a long-term boyfriend and as well as a well-paid job at a legal firm just because of what's happening in your life. Now, does not give it permission, does not excuse the fact that what happened to you happened. Yeah. (sighs) But you know what? It sounds like she took something up. She did take a piece of this and turned her life around. Like the whole, like the the whole Alice situation. Like now you work in law because yeah. like because it you made you wanted to do good for the world yeah absolutely and you wanted to be close to these types of things so maybe that's why she went into to a legal firm for, yeah yeah because she wanted to be was a nurse yeah she was going to be a nurse at first mm-hmm. so but also you're allowed to her. have a, a long-term boyfriend even if something yeah. bad happened to you yeah like so, okay <laughs> Like, Mount, but they're saying like, oh, well, your life is so great now, so obviously it's not affecting you. Like, yeah, whatever. So, Mount Washington McDonald's manager appeared on behalf of the defense. She said she had received the company's voicemail about the scammer, but hadn't passed it on to her assistant managers because she didn't think it was important. Bree, we're talking about <laughs> Lisa. Lisa, was this the other one? This no, this was the the manager that was asleep when oh, okay. they got the call. That was supposed to be Lisa, on the phone. yeah. Um, she also added, "Anyone dumb enough to fall for it shouldn't be a manager at McDonald's." But also, True. I mean, yes. But also, as a manager, if you get a voice message about something that's happening to other McDonald's, maybe pass it the fuck along. Yep. So on on cross-examination, I'm almost done. On cross-examination, they explained that the voicemail had been vague. It merely referred to a caller asking for employees to be detained and uh, mentioned nothing about strip searches. When asked if she would have treated the voicemail more seriously had she known what sort of abusers abuses the caller was demanding, Lisa answered yes and burst into tears. 
Lisa had worked for McDonald's since 1981, but said she was unfamiliar with its policy bearing the strip searches. So clearly, this was not something that it was McDonald's. Not, it, it was not. Mm -mm. They were not aware of it. Yeah. Uh, Which, again, Lisa, like common sense. But at the same time, like y'all should like make this like a if you pretty put, important uh, yeah. bullet if you know that stuff like this is happening. Like, hey, we updated our policy. Uh, it's about strip searches. Please prep, you know, uh, brief your employees about it. Great. Cool. Thank you. Clearly, that didn't happen. Um, she also said that the company had never trained anybody on the policy like we just talked about. And it was only one of the many listed in a thousand page manual. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the trial concluded after four weeks. The jury of eight women and four men were given 31 page of pages of instructions and 12 possible verdicts to consider after deliberating for 13 hours the jury found in favor of laura's lawsuit so they agreed to her lawsuit okay they assigned half of the blame to for her assault to the scammer and the other half to mcdonald's laura was awarded a total of 6.1 million dollars this also this included 1.1 million in damages and 5 million in punitive damages. The jury attached a note to their verdict imploring McDonald's to offer more employee training on sexual harassment and scam calls. It was later revealed that the jury had taken so long deliberating because they had been unable to agree on how much money Laura should receive. One juror wanted to award her 1 million while another wanted to give her just one dollar which that person sounds oh. like a piece of crap yeah uh the jury also awarded 1.1 million dollars to donna kim dockery the other assist i know kim dockery the other assistant manager who had been on duty at the time of laura's assault was exonerated of any responsibility Laura burst into tears upon hearing the verdict and hugged her mother and grandparents. She also embraced Donna and the two expressed their happiness for each other. Laura later told the press that she planned to use the money to go to law school as her original college plans had been derailed by her assault. Her lawyer described the verdict as a complete rejection of McDonald's claim that they bear no responsibility to Laura or other employees to, who had been victims of the strip search scams. Donna told the media it was never about the money. It was about getting the truth out that McDonald's knew all along what was going on. Donna, you didn't even need to file a lawsuit. Like that was going to happen with Laura's. Yeah, but all right. exactly. Yep. This was, <laughs> this was a complete vind vindication. McDonald's issued a statement that they would be considering whether or not to appeal the findings as We've stated previously this malicious hoax was perpetrated by individuals who do not represent our brand. Um, what happened to Laura was wrong and should never happen to anyone. McDonald's soon lodged the appeal. More than two years later, the Kentucky Courts of Appeals ruled that they were upholding the jury's decision, so they denied that appeal. 
A three-judge panel found that McDonald's legal department had been fully aware of this scammer but made a continuous decision not to train or warn employees or managers about the call. Dude, you're going to love this. Despite upholding the decision, the judge deemed that the jury, some awarded to the Donna, may had been excessive. Her payout was reduced from $1.1 million to 500000 Oh, but that's still a lot of money. Yeah. Don- McDonald's was also awarded to pay. You're going to love this. McDonald's also was ordered to pay a further $2.4 million in attorney fees for Laura. Laura that's what's <laughs> up. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. <laughs> you shouldn't have a- submitted that appeal. Because <laughs> uh, if they didn't submit the appeal, none of that would have happened. Yeah. So, Laura, they're like, and also, since you thought that you were cute and wanted to appeal, you can pay more. Laura, who had since become a mother, did not attend the appeal in person. Instead, one of her lawyers attended attended and said to the media on her behalf that she was thrilled to learn the verdict. McDonald's then decided to appeal the decision at the Kentucky Supreme Court in 2010. So I want I just want you to know that these type of cases, normally you don't get your payout until every appeal has been been. Like, you can appeal so many times within so many years, and you have to exhaust all of those appeals before you get your money. Okay. So she doesn't have this money yet. So you get it all in, like, one big lump sum once everything's finally done. I I would assume so, yeah. But you have to exhaust all the appeals. There has to be time for those appeals to happen. So in 2010, while the petition was still pending, Laura settled with the company for an undisclosed amount and McDonald's withdrew their second appeal. So smart. (laughs) That's it. That is uh, the McDonald's scam. I am so glad that she got something out of that. Yeah. That, we don't know how bullshit. much, but for a million, that was a good story. Um, now I definitely want to watch that documentary. I probably will. Now that since Josh isn't here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's pretty I, good. I didn't watch it cause I either wanted him to watch it because I know he would like it or he, cause we, he likes those kinds of documentaries sometimes like a couple weeks ago, he got a, hair up his butt and wanted to watch the that famous guy from like a tiktok or something that did the or a vine it was like a smash 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 the axe wielding hitchhiker uh have you never heard of him no you should watch it it's pretty good there's a it's a true crime doc oh that's cool (laughs) yeah right now i'm re-watching uh Jersey Shore. Oh, I've never watched Jersey Shore. I want to. I want to watch the Kardashians as well. I watched. Uh, the reason why was I watched uh, like a 2020 special, that type of like interview with the situation and like his drug addiction and stuff like that. And so it made me uh, like I watched that because it just like came on and I was like. Oh, I kind of want to watch Jersey Shore now that I'm like Made you a grown adult. It? Yeah. <laughs> and like I'm watching, I'm like, y'all are so dumb. Do you think that they're stupid? Yeah, now that you're a grown adult. 
And like back in the day, you were like, oh my God, I totally want to go party with them. I mean, I definitely thought they were dumb then, but like, I was like, man, that they, they're like living a life. And now I'm like, Mm. um i'm i think i told you that i'm rewatching the oc right now and i haven't watched it that was like i it's really weird but whenever i was going through a rough time and my teens when things were going down in my life um it was a very big coping show and i rewatched it a lot a lot a lot and i loved the oc because i felt like i could like i had a lot in common with the situation that happened in the show yeah anyway um, but now that I'm watching it as an adult and I haven't watched it in years, I side with the parents a lot yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, God damn, these kids are brats. Yeah. <laughs> like some, sometimes the mom, Marissa's mom, she, Julie Cooper, she goes a little mm-hmm. over, over, over things, but she does it to protect her daughter. She's yeah. a, but you know, she loves her daughter and she'll do anything for her. Even like marry really rich billionaires. You got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. Yep. Yeah. All right. So who is ready for another haunted eBay segment? Me, 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 All right. So I'm going to do it a little bit differently this time. I sent you the pictures. Yeah. So before I read them, I want you to describe what you see in the picture before I read it. So it's going to go from left to right. I forgot to number them. Okay. Left to right, left to right, left to right. Yeah. I'm describing all of them. Uh, Just describe the first one and I will go over it. Okay. So this. Do you hear what's going on behind me? Okay. No. This, this uh, doll is a one of a kind. It's made out of wood. Uh, carved to absolute destruction. Um, he is wearing hats. It looks a like he hat. has a nose, a straw hat. He has straw for hair, and he has the widest jaw I have ever seen in any dolls. <laughs> he also has a nose that looks like it has been eaten, possibly by mice. <laughs> he has rosy cheeks. He has. Uh, very long eyebrows, and he is wearing what looks like it could be a cultural rice (laughs) uniform for those that worked out in rice paddy fields, along with looks like a pink scarf. Like an ascot. All right. Perfect. Okay. All right. So I'm so happy you made me describe that. I'm I I'm gonna have you're gonna have to do that for all of them, so get ready. Um it's kind of long, so all of them are kind of long. Okay, Okay. so this one is titled Haunted Vessel Active Spirit Star Evil Evil uh, Asterix, whatever. Okay. Condition used, price is eighty dollars. Item description. Introducing Leo. Hold on, let me Leo. Let me zoom in on here. Introducing Leo. He was discovered with our sinister totems in a house slated for demolition. A house that once belonged to a professional puppeteer. 
nestled within the world of the performing arts, a highly skilled puppeteer found his haven in an old, charming house where creativity knew no bounds. Among his creations, one puppet harbored an enigmatic presence that transcended mere craftsmanship, unknowingly serving as a conduit for a profoundly sinister spirit. This entity exerted its influence in ways that defied understanding, ultimately leading the puppeteer down a tragic path. In a <clears throat> in an unforeseeable turn of events during what should have been an ordinary rehearsal at a local theater, a stage oh. light plummeted from its suspension, abruptly ending the life of the puppeteer's own brother. Oh the puppeteer, gosh. burdened by grief, never recovered emotionally, and the demon sapped him of his remaining life force. Leo's character is a complex fusion of a seemingly benevolent facade and the unnerving emergence of his sinister side during interactions. He is manipulative, snide, and reveals revels in creating an uncomfortable atmosphere within our home. Oh. So buy him. So He's buy super it. uncomfortable. But buy him. He's great, really. <laughs> He's great. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he's a puppet. Um That's what it sounds like. Yeah, he sound he look he must be a puppet. Um but yeah, he's um he's really great. He's on eBay, guys, and his name is Leo, so you know And he's only eighty dollars. He's only eighty dollars. Per what a just steal. in time for just in time for Christmas. Yeah. Speaking of Christmas. This one is titled Speaking of Christmas. Two Haunted Heads, Highly Active, Japanese Demonic Santas, Rare, um, Authentic, and Evil. So these oh, ones, sorry. you're good. Um, so they look like, honestly, what I would think, if they didn't have their hats on them, they would look like salt and pepper shakers. That's what it's I thought, too. Of, yeah, but they so they're like ceramic like that or maybe glass. Um they have cloth Santa hats on them uh with little bells on the top of them. Uh Santa looks like the jolly Saint Nick that you would see in any type of like salt and pepper shaker type of ordeal. <laughs> it's just his head though. Um Mrs. Claus has got something going on with her eyeglasses. They are um, on her cheeks. Yeah, they're <laughs> floating on her cheeks. And um, also it goes into her skin a little bit yeah. <laughs> over her nose. Uh, her eyes are closed, just like St. Nick's. Uh, Santa honestly looks high. Yeah, um, he does. He looks like Buddha. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, but that's the best way to describe them. Like, I would think that they would be like salt and pepper shakers if they mm -hmm. didn't have the hats on them. I agree. So that now that you mentioned that. So um, the condition is described as used. Uh, the price of them are $33.33. That is a steal, my friends. I'm sorry. Why didn't they just do six? six, six, six? Uh, right. I know. What's so, with the 33 cents? 33. Come on. Don't be stingy. Just round it up and round it down. Whatever. Yeah. Item description. Seller notes include these two demonic ceramic spirit vessels of 
the Sandies are in fair condition. Each vessel has minor scratches along the paint on the various surfaces. They are being offered at a low price. Don't let their humble vessels fool you. These two are trouble and will bring delight to any chaotic magician or those who will enjoy, who enjoy working with demons. Happy haunting. Okay. So I have a little bit more. The spirit names are the Sandies. The historical era they have is uh, Japan ancient unknown. Offerings is they crave hot peppers. Activity type, shrieking in the night. That? I don't know. Activity type, shrieking in the night, oh. knocking things down, and you might have some bad dreams. Naughty uh, Santa. So great. Sandies. Uh, the skill <laughs> level, advanced level only, please. Um, yeah, so if you haven't beaten level six, this is not for you. Not for uh, you. Spirit type, demonic, alignment, negative energy, whatever that means, material and size, ceramic heads of Mr. and Mrs. Claus, each approximately three inches tall and three inches wide. Triggers, most active at 3 a.m. And okay with small children? Absolutely not. No, because no Santa's okay with children. <laughs> not unless you sit on his lap. <laughs> and that is the Sandies. And those oh can be gosh. found on eBay, everybody. Just in so time for Christmas decorations. Just in time for Christmas decorations, yes. Can I buy it and then gift it to somebody? Not to me. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> Not to me. <laughs> All right. Item number three. Go ahead and describe what you see, Amy. Okay. So remember, like, in the early 2000s when every mom had the italian bistro looking kitchens <gasps> yes <laughs> so this is a bassinet that has that bistro yellow and red and red wallpaper on it um it has like grapes and grape vines and roses. That's roses very bistro early 2000s wallpaper paint or paint on this bass wooden rocking bassinet it's beautiful it's one of one of a kind one of a kind that's all I got for you. All right. That was perfect. Okay. okay. So um, it is titled as Haunted Active, Powerful Spirit Couple with Multiple Abilities. Condition is used. The price is $500. Oh, my gosh. I know. I know. Pay for something haunted. Um, the description. This is a larger vessel, and I've loved having them in my home every second. This is a married couple whose names are Liam and Karen. The reason for this vessel is they lost their life in a car accident and Karen was 16 weeks pregnant at the time. Oh, no. This vessel resembles the crib Liam and Karen wanted for their little one. They were always the odd couple that people often looked at as freaky. Both were obsessed with unique things and the more darkness to it, the better. Not many people enjoyed visiting being visiting being in their homes was decked out 
was decked out with scary decor, oddities, dolls, and mannequins. They had freaky tastes, but both were successful. They had went through years of treatment to conceive with when it finally happened. The family worried for Karen because of her connection with the dead. They felt this was associated with bad and demonic and feared the baby would be born with demon traits, which was uh, insane to think in such a way. <laughs> Yeah. Sadly, Liam and Karen never met their baby they tried so hard for. This couple is rather Aww. interesting because of them literally because of them because one of them literally shows you very important events in the future so you can avoid or be ready. The other one helps you keep protected from all spirits that surround us. They are also overly protective of children in a good way a perfect example of this is when my son was riding his bike and a car was going around the corner flying bat high speeds <sighs> out of nowhere my son was pushed off to the side and fell off but a couple of feet from being hit i took it i took to them i i think they meant to say spoke to them i spoke to them and asked if this was them and they did confirm this oh that's cool oh. Or they're taking credit for the wind. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that was a nicer one. Um, that Liam was nice. and Karen and their unborn baby. So sad. That is sad. All right. Item number four. Okay. So this is a very typical oval Cynthia. Cynthia. Sifa? Surfa? Sipa? Sipa? Is that like how you the... say Cynthia? It's Cynthia. The filter. Yeah. Cynthia. Okay. I think I'm almost positive it's Cynthia. It's like a Western. Um, yeah. Like a Western type of oval photo of a middle-aged woman that looks like you just told her that her green bean casserole is the worst thing that you have ever had in your entire <laughs> life. Her name is definitely Mary Jo. And she is wearing a, a dress that uh, goes up to, like, it buttons up at her neck um, with, like, uh, lace embroidered at the, like, chest with very poofy sleeves. <laughs> she scares me, Brie. She scares me, too. Okay. She looks so angry, but like condescendingly angry. What did you say her name was? Mary Jo. Okay. Well, all right. So it's titled Vintage, ha Vintage Haunted Photo, 1800s Fran. Condition Fran! used. Definitely. <laughs> she's definitely a Fran. Yeah, I agree. Price $120 and it's on sale. That's on sale, guys. So go get it while, well. you, go get it while it's hot. All right, description. Meet Fran. This haunted photo is very active when it comes to having feelings and emotions happening when looking into the photo and holding it to seeing objects slightly move near the photo. Activity will light up divination tools and feelings of being watched. Her energy has been very intense working with her at times. I feel pressure on my chest and slightly difficulty breathing and my heart racing. She can be very intense to work with. She is very respectful around my husband, but when it comes to communication with me, she is very traditional in a sense that she can be judgmental towards me with my role being a wife and what I should and shouldn't do around my household. She tells me I'm 
the one that always needs to cook and clean the house. She is very old-fashioned that way. Fran I see is a, Fran uh, saying that. This is she, absolutely Fran. Typical. Such a typical Fran. <laughs> Her picture is like perfect. Fran <laughs> is a spirit from the 1800s and is a very traditional woman. She is married, had three children, raised them, and did the typical duties of a woman in that era would do taking care of the household. She dislikes cats, but tells me she likes dogs. She is very active when she wants to make her presence known. She has been telling me she is wanting to be rehomed. <laughs> She's like, I don't like it here. Take, send me somewhere else. <laughs> this she place needs, is salty. <laughs> this is annoying. She needs a keeper that is understanding of her error and, and help her understand that times have changed and things aren't the same as they used to be. I feel Fran at times needs to be lightened up as I feel she is very uptight and strict with what she believes is right and wrong. Fran has given me very intelligent responses with light up divination tools. She is very intelligent spirit that is able to give quick responses to answer and voice her opinion. She tells me she passed at age 70. I believe the cause Dang. was something to do with her chest area. Uh, Fran's photo is eight by six inches. Keep in mind, this photo is very old. It is vintage. Handle with care. She doesn't want to be placed in a bedroom. She made that very clear when I had her. She made that very clear when I had her the first day in my home. As she finds the bedroom needs to be private. <laughs> <laughs> I suggest keeping her around the living room with a bullet light near her photo as she will turn that on when she is wanting to grab your attention. Fran can light up the bullet lights extremely well. She can communicate well with the pendulum, spirit board, and dowsing rods. Wow. <laughs> she doesn't want to she, be in the bedroom. She actually she don't want to like see fun. anybody do it. She does. <laughs> she sounds very picky though. Very particular. Yeah. Offerings, candles, 1800s music, wants and needs. Be respectful towards her. Keep her photo safe. Acknowledge her. Communicate with divination tools. Have a bullet light working at all times. Communication with Fran. Works with pendulums, dowsing rods, telepathic, bullet light. Paranormal activity turns on the bullet light. Makes you feel her pain. Can cause chest being pushed and hard to breathe. Very intense energy. Slight movement of objects. Feelings of being watched. And if you feel drawn to Fran, you will know it. You will feel you both belong together. You might see her listing pop up a lot and feel a calling towards it. She may even visit you while you are reading this listening listing. She may hold on. Let me say this out. Let me say this a little louder. She may even visit you while you're reading this listing and might nudge you to purchase her. Anyone? I don't believe that. Anyone, anyone get anything from Fran? That All person these... just wants her to. So they're like, oh, suddenly she's I want to like, buy her. Come on, get her out of my house. She's so annoying about my cooking. <laughs> <laughs> she does not accept grilled cheese. <laughs> it's not good enough for her. <laughs> only shepherd's All right, pie. Um, only shepherd's pie. Uh, so. That's all I'm going to tell you about Fran because I forgot how long her thing was. Um, okay. But you know. Um, how much is she? Three hundred. 300 120 she's on sale 120 she's on oh, sale right. guys she's 120 um another sign that you should buy fran and if you buy fran let us know how she's doing because we want to know she yeah. sounds um really not cool anyway um <laughs> I don't, but she doesn't sound scary she doesn't sound terrible she's i mean the fact that she kind of like makes you not be able to breathe 
is a little that's kind of scary unnerving yeah. but you know that's cool it's fine i can't breathe anyway so it's fine item yeah. number five so this one i've seen this doll before i can't remember i almost want to say that like my grandma used to have a doll like this um it, it's one of those dolls where the head is ceramic or glass and then like the rest of the body is like plush um he his eyes are closed um the uh, everything is painted on on his face um he's got curly little blonde hair dr like little curls coming out of his hat um he's got like a little hoodie on little hood on his head um he's wearing like a christmasy outfit uh it's all red with white little mittens and then little puffs on this down the center of his chest his eyes are closed um it's got little rosy cheeks and he's just a happy smiling baby he's kind of cute he's kind of cute he's cute i've seen this and doll before there's there's definitely um a theme here christmasy trying to yeah. find some christmasy things okay so this one is titled authentic demonic possessed doll Oh, cool. Yay. Uh, Yay. Real, satanic, haunted, extremely dangerous, condition used, price $300. Oh. Uh, description, rare, vintage, and possessed. Vintage, guys. Vintage. That's why Amy's seen it. <laughs> in pretty great condition, too. I have only seen one similar doll in a lot worse condition from around the time of 1940 possibly even 1906 that's a really big time frame by the way that is 1940 frame, 1906 yeah. that's like 40 year difference anyway yeah. <laughs> has had a couple owners who have both said they experienced continuous paranormal events the first owner had it long had it a long time and has since passed away the last owner purchased it actually for the christmas holiday and was shocked when she experienced paranormal events right away she didn't Could believe the previous owner's warnings. Like, happy holidays. Um, <laughs> she didn't believe the previous owner's warnings. She and her family didn't know how and were too scared to get rid of it. So they sold it to me. It will un it will usually communicate using a spirit board, pendulum, or just make noises around itself and other areas of the house. I've heard growls and seen some <gasps> things move around it. I would oh recommend gosh. getting a case for it and keep it inside of it. Please feel free to message me with any questions or if you would like any additional photos, please save my account to stay updated on more dolls and other items I sell. Per eBay, I must state this is a tangible item for sale and we are not responsible for any paranormal activity that may or may not occur. This includes unfortunate events, hospitalizations, or even death. Entertainment oh purposes, purposes only. Thank you, Amanda F., owner of Haunted Doll Museum. That was on eBay. Amanda like with that. Haunted Doll Museum. No. All right. You and can, the you can stay with Amanda. Yeah, I'm I'm not cool. I'm not cool with that no. one. Um the last okay. and final one. Okay, so I'm not oh, okay, I see what this is now. Um this is like um kind of reminds me of like a pencil box or a cigar box. Mm -hmm. It has like a little lock on it. Um it's wooden. It has. It's black with a gold um, outline, crest. and then uh, it has a gold crest. Yeah, 
on it with a lion and a knight, a sword and some symbol. And then it looks like the lock on it has been like someone spilled wax on it is what it looks like. I mean, I guess it's to not open it. Yeah, it's purpose. So, yeah. There's a lot of those kinds of things on eBay, by the way. Um, These kinds of boxes. Or they're just completely dipped in, like, layers of wax so people won't open them. All right. So, this one is titled Haunted Paranormal Estate 11-inch Leather Dybbuk Box. Malicious Evil. Oh, Malicious Evil? Question mark. Uh, Nightmares. Condition used. Price $65. All right. This one's kind of long, so hang with me. And I may not read the whole thing. We'll see how I feel. All right. Haunted estate Dybbuk box. Demon or evil man? Measures approximately 11 inches wide and 12. I'm Ron Burgundy? 11 (laughs) inches wide and two and a half inches high. A leather box with some types of crests on it and dings in the leather itself. It weighs over a pound without, without a box. We do not claim to be the demonologist like some experts in the occult or witchcraft or have extensive knowledge in the making of Dybbuk boxes or have they or how they trap spirits. We simply try to communicate. Collecting for 15 years came across a large tote forgotten in our finished shed file filled with negative boxes that we had refused to leave among our family and pets we stopped opening them years ago everyone knows entities attach themselves to, everyone knows this entities attach themselves to inanimate objects their energy is evident without breaking the seal and in doing that can open us up to their full potential which we won't do if negative we won't do if negative we have already made that mistake Oh, that sucks. Uh, We purchased this box online about three years ago. The seller said her grandmother had been a psychic medium and had communicated and delved into supernatural as long as they could remember. She had a few boxes. She claimed she had demons or evil entities trapped inside in a glass churro with protective talismans hanging at its door surrounded by a circle of salt that's like so much security right there for demons yeah. uh no one dare run the vacuum near it oh no <laughs> this, this particular box she had told them was created when she was called to a home by a woman needing help removing evil that had tormented her for years since her father had passed upon going she encountered that she told them was one of the most evil energies and having felt his hate his hatred and him communicating his identity as the woman's father used his only jewelry tie to clip tie clip box to trap him and seal with wax seals she had also locked a key inside so no one could ever open the box we cannot confirm the truth of that we never tried, but it does look as if someone was trying to lift up on the lid of the box to get in. The seller removing the boxes to get rid of them after her grandmother passed, left them out and herself unprotected, and during that time experienced <sighs> nothing but nightmares, a dark presence, and oh. became emotionally unstable. Her cousin was the one noticing who removed it, moved the boxes from the home cleansed with sage and told her to sell or destroy them 
Oh my gosh. All right. So a little backstory on the seller, the actual current sellers. Um, the first evening, our dogs became agitated, had no interest in food or going outside. They even became aggressive towards each other. They can oh. sense evil and energies as we as humans can't. During the night, our daughter and I, being sensitive empaths, ended up being woken up by nightmares, trying several times to sleep, and we ended up downstairs, going down where the box stayed in our dining room. That's a great place. Um, yeah, the dark, hateful feeling we got was strong. Someone was there, someone full of anger and hate. We shared our dreams with each other, and it seemed they were both similar. A funeral and wit in our church for with four coffins, a woman standing in front of them, face not seen, but none of us there, none of us in the pews. So who was the woman, her or me, or and who in the coffins? Three men in our family or someone else's family. It freaked us out a lot, and we chose not to share with our guys until later. Oh, my gosh. Uh, as we turned our equipment on, that next evening, everything started spiking K2 to red, leveling at orange. Melmeter rose to 2.9, and then REM pod, the REM pod died. So it like, <gasps> took all the energy out it of everything. It took all the energy. As we turned the spirit box on, we heard a deep voice say, One will live. Ooh. We asked oh the spirit gosh. if it was a demon or just an angry soul, and the words were... Who will live came through in a deep, creepy tone. I don't through know. Through the night vision screen, we could see a dark figure. It chilled me and our daughter. And we both finally told my husband and sons it needed to go. We told the spirit it was not allowed to hurt or attach to anyone in our home. It was given no power or permission to stay among us. Through the spirit box, again, the same deep voice came through saying, We'll win. And we oh immediately gosh. removed it from our home and cleansed our home and ourselves that night and several days after. It was an Glad awful experience with this particular box. Unsettling pretty much scared me, the images and our dreams. And without telling me, telling them everything till much later left us with a dreadful feeling. They've remained quiet where we've kept them, but we had... We have had no interaction with them for a while. These spirits are something we won't allow around us or our pets. Unsure if it's intent or how it may react in a different environment, but we suggest using caution if deciding to break the seal. This box seemed to hold more negative energy than some others we've interacted with. Um, please know... Wow. That as some have questioned a spirit not interacting with them and the items they have purchased from other seller spirits have their own personalities. Sometimes it does take a day or two or even longer to adjust to their new surroundings. They don't do parlor tricks. And if they chose to choose to hold off on interacting, it is their right to do so. They do not perform on command. They should be treated with the respect they deserve and patience because in some cases it will not it was not their choice or preference to stay among us. I can only include in the listings what we've experienced, not what we may suspect. Yeah. And wow. uh, that is that one. That's it. I don't want that one. Yeah, that that one sounds intense. Actually, it's not too in, much. In, in, a, in a tent. It's stupid. It's in a box. It's in a box. Yeah. <laughs> 
that was <laughs> wow embarrassing there's a picture you. there and everything <laughs> <laughs> thank you for sharing those i love it when you share those you're welcome i have really i have so much fun looking those up <laughs> yeah i bet <laughs> um i have a neighborhood story for you oh right all right it's very short it says my neighbors create this toxic talk why can't i talk my neighbors create this toxic smoke out of their chimney we suspect that they are making drugs probably. <laughs> that's all it's probably or drugs. it's probably drugs or they're burning styrofoam and plastic or it's just <laughs> normal smoke and the people are like hippies the and they're smells. like oh my god oh my god Um, we're going to get, sorry, it was a long episode. Um, we'll make shorter ones in the next coming weeks, but, um, hi Dakota. Everybody hi princess. Hi Dakota. hi Dakota. Dakota is one of our doggos. Yep. She's, she's my dog. Yeah. Our dog. Um, have you checked in on the neighbors? What's with the neighbors? Bree and Amy. Bree and Amy. Out. Out. Say hi to your cats for us. 